Welcome to Marksman, a program for men who have been marked by Christ and who are aiming their lives at Christ's likeness. Praise God. I'm Mark Spellman, your host here at Marksman, and we're so glad that you are joining us today. Man, I have been thoroughly enjoying our discussions out of the book of Hebrews chapter 11 as we've been digging into God's Hall of Fame. I want to welcome you to the program today. I want to welcome you to this conversation. And again, whether you're a follower of Christ or you're just kind of searching out what Christianity is all about, because sometimes I think we have listeners uh, in both categories, I just want you to know every one of you are welcome. Every one of you are radically loved by Jesus. He is crazy about you, and Jesus is a man's man. There is a man at the right hand of God right now. There is a man ruling over heaven and earth. There's a man named Jesus to whom every knee will bow. And it's wise if you bow now, because if you bow later, it's too late. So if you've not said yes to Jesus, you've not come home in your heart, I encourage you to do that. The Bible says just simply believe in your heart and confess with your mouth the lordship of Jesus and realized and declared God raised him from the dead. From, uh, from the death grip, and he did that for your justification. You believe that in your heart. You confess that with your mouth. The Bible says you will be saved. You'll be brought out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light and into the kingdom of his dear son. And so we're, we're digging into, as men who've been marked by Christ, who've said yes to Jesus, who's come home in their heart, we're seeing what this life of faith all about and where God commends all these different individuals in Hebrews 11. He commends Abel. He commends Enoch. He commends Noah. He commends Abraham and he commends Sarah. And now we're seeing in verse 20, he commends Isaac and then verse 21, Jacob. And both of these instances, these men, these next two generations Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We're looking at Isaac and Jacob, particularly Isaac right now. These are the generations that are always held up in Scripture because God thinks generationally. I heard it said this way one time. Some thoughts that God has for us, we won't even begin to think them until we can think generationally. If we're just thinking survival, if we're just thinking getting through the month, if we're just thinking getting through the year, if we're just getting thinking getting through this hard season, and we're not even thinking generationally, there's certain thoughts that we will not be thinking. There's certain things that God would want to say. But he can't say them because we're not thinking right. We're not thinking beyond our life. We're not thinking generationally. And so God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's the God of generations. And so praise God. But notice what is highlighted in verse 20 and 21 of Hebrews 11. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. And then verse 21, let's grab it too. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph as he worshiped, leaning on the top of his staff. So here we have two men, Isaac and Jacob, sons of Abraham, son and grandson. 
blessing, speaking words on their dying days, on their last breaths. They're making sure that they release words, words of blessing, words that would prophesy about the future of their children's lives. And so we're going to pick up the story we left off Yes, uh, well, let's see when it, it would have been last week, I guess, our last program aired. We left off in Genesis chapter 25, where we saw Esau. Now, you, you know, Isaac's gotten married. He's married to Rebekah. Um, Abraham had his servant go out and find a wife for him. We went through all that in our last episode. Now Isaac has gotten married, and after 20 years of marriage, he has twins. Rebecca has twins. There's Jacob and Esau. Esau comes out first. But Rebecca has this prophecy in Genesis 25 and verse 22 and 23. The Lord speaks to her and says that the younger will rule over the older and that there's two nations in her womb, two kinds of people in her womb. And of course, they came out Esau was uh, the first one. He was kind of a redhead, I guess Scripture says, very hairy. Uh, Jacob was different than that. And so Esau was a hunter. His father loved the venison he brought home. So uh, Jacob, (laughs) I'm sorry, Isaac kind of favored Jacob, and Rebekah kind of favored, let me get this right, Isaac favored Esau, and Rebecca favored Jacob because of what she had heard the Lord say to her. But man, you know, Isaac just loved Esau's venison. And so what happened was at the end of chapter 25, uh, these guys are now older. Jacob and Esau are older. And so Esau comes in. He's just exhausted. He's weary. I don't know what got him to this point, but he, he is willing for one meal to trade his birthright. And so we read about that at the end of chapter 25 of Genesis, where verse 31, Jacob says, okay, I'll give you some food, but sell me your birthright. And verse 32, and Jacob said, so swear to me this day. And he swore unto him and sold him his birthright. So we're seeing how words will create transactions in the spirit. Did you hear what I just said? Words of faith. See, they understood words. I mean, why was it what we're about? Well, I'm getting ahead of myself. We'll we'll get into this. But words spoken in faith create a transaction in the Spirit. They move things in the Spirit. They set things in motion that will actually play out generationally. And that's why we see that Abraham, what he spoke over his son Isaac, and Isaac, what he spoke over his son Jacob, these things kept God's plan of redemption on course. These things kept God's family on course through all the pain, through all the struggle, through all the dysfunction, through all the disappointment, through all the setbacks, through all the sidesteps, through all the sleepless nights we see. This blessing, these words caused God's plan to continue. And so, and we we referenced, of course, over in the book of Hebrews chapter 12, where it calls Esau a profane person who sold his birthright for one meal. And afterwards, when he sought it with earnest tears, he found no place for repentance. So let's pick up the story. Uh, Now we're moving into Genesis chapter 26. Isaac, you know, of course, um, 
with his two sons, Jacob and Esau. He's blessed, blessed, blessed. And uh, verse 5, it says, Because that Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge and my commandments and my statutes and my laws, you know, there's just a blessing upon Isaac's life. And so Isaac goes into a land where it's it's a dry land. He's having to redig some wells that the uh, Philistines had buried. These are wells that his father Abraham had dwelt. Because remember, Abraham had multiple businesses. He had, when you consider each kind of herd that Abraham had, Abraham had multiple businesses. He had camels. He had donkeys. He had cattle. He had sheep. He had multiple uh, herds of animals. So he had multiple businesses. He needed water. I mean, without water, you don't survive. So they dug wells. The Philistines dig those wells. And of course, uh, uh, it talks about Abraham and now Isaac in verse 13. Um, well, let's pick up verse 12. This is a very famous verse. We're in Genesis twenty-six twelve about Isaac. Isaac sowed in that land. Because he was considering going down to Egypt, you know, but God said, no, stay right where you are. Sow and plant right where you are. So now, not only is Isaac involved in herds, Isaac's sowing for crops. He's he's planting things. And so he sowed in that land and received in that same year a hundredfold. And the Lord blessed him and the man waxed great. He went forward and he grew until he became very great. Does that sound familiar? Sounds like his daddy, Abraham. Abraham became very great. And that was the blessing God spoke over Abraham and that blessing's now on Isaac, and it's the blessing that's going to be upon Jacob. We'll see it in just a moment, where God says, I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to make your name great. And he goes on to say, in you, Abraham, shall all the nations of the world be blessed. So, I mean, these words that God spoke over Abraham are now been spoken over Isaac, and Isaac is he himself. It says in verse 14 of Genesis 26, he had possessions of flocks, he had possessions of herds, and he had a great store of servants, so much so that the Philistines envied him. And he also got a hundredfold return on his crops that year in a year of drought. (laughs) I mean, God blessed Isaac so much so that the Philistines... You could say that'd be like the world today. We'd say the world envied him, the godless world, the the people without covenant with God. See, this is all about covenant. This blessing we're talking about, they're not just good spoken words. They're good spoken words that are in line with God's covenant plan for man, with God's covenant plan for Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And now we bring Jesus, who is the ultimate seed, who came forth from the Father. And so now we're blessed in Christ Jesus. But it's a covenant blessing. It's a blessing that God not only spoke, but He swore in blood, the blood of His own Son, Jesus Christ. So that brings all question to, to an end. God ends the dispute by not only swearing it, but swearing it by himself and by his own name and in the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. And so here we see that covenant blessing already working in the son of Abraham, who's Isaac, verse 14, Genesis 26. 
He had possessions of flocks and possessions of herds, a great store of servants. The Philistines envied him. And all the, sweat, all the wells which his father's servants had digged in the days of Abraham his father, the Philistines had, dopped, had stopped them up and filled them with earth. And Abimelech said unto Isaac, Go from us, for you are much mightier than we. So Isaac departed thence and pitched his tent in the valley of Gerar, and he dwelt there. And Isaac digged again the wells of water which they had digged in the days of Abraham his father, for the Philistines had stopped them. Redigging the wells. You know, you could say that's part of what we're doing at Family Mission, and it's definitely what we're doing on this program. Marksman is we're redigging some wells. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs, don't move the ancient landmark. Don't move the ancient land. Some things have to be brought back. There needs to be a divine reset. We got to redig some wells. We got to redig the way we do life. We got to redig the way we do family. We got to redig the way we do marriage. We got to redig the way we do life. And that's what Isaac was doing is redigging the wells that his father Abraham had dug. And there they called the names after uh and he called their names the names of the well. They named the wells uh, by by the same name his father gave them. So he remembered the names his father gave the wells, and he renamed those wells according to that which his father had done. And verse 19, And Isaac servants digged in the valley and found there a wellspring of water. So now Isaac is blessed, blessed, blessed. He's got crops. He's got hundredfold yield returns in the in years of drought. He's got herds. He's got possessions. He's got a great store of servants, so much so that the Philistines are envying him. So let's now go. And so Isaac and Rebekah, Jacob and Esau, they're all traveling together. Let's go to chapter 27. We're going to fast forward a little bit in the story. And now we're going to get towards the end of Isaac's life. And this is actually what Hebrews 11.20 was referencing. But I know this is now the third episode on Isaac, but that's okay. There's no use rushing through any of this. It, it, but one verse, Hebrews 11.20, Isaac, when he was old, blessed his sons Jacob and Esau. And so we had to go back and catch, and I'm glad we did. I hope you've enjoyed this journey, going back and, and finding out what happened from the time Isaac came forth, how he got his wife, how he prayed for his wife and got some children, had twins, and yet there's a lot of uh, family drama wrapped up in this, and it's about to get worse. <laughs> or you might say it's about to get better. Depends on how you look at it. But now in Genesis 27, it came to pass when Isaac was old. This is verse 1, Genesis 27. His eyes were dim so that he could not see. And he called Esau his eldest son and said, My son. And his son said, Behold, here am I. And he said, Go. I'm now old. I don't know the day of my death. But therefore I pray, Take thee thy weapons and thy quiver and thy bow. So he was an archer. Go out into the field and take me some venison, get me a deer, make me some of that savory meat that I love, bring it to me that I may eat, that my soul may bless thee before I die. So he's realizing his days are numbered and gets Esau. Remember, Esau was his favorite. Uh, Jacob was Rebekah's favorite. But Rebekah has this word that she got from the Lord that the youngest 
is going to rule over the, the eldest, and the eldest is going to serve the youngest. And so now it's getting serious. Isaac's getting old. He's ready to to give the blessing. He's ready to speak those words and think about what's about to happen. He said, go get me some meat. I want to have a good meal, and then I'm going to bless you. And Rebekah heard, verse 5, Rebekah heard when Isaac spoke to Esau, his son, and Esau went out to the field to go hunting. Now Rebekah spoke to Jacob, her son, saying, Behold, I heard your father speaking to Esau, your brother, and this is what's happening. Now, therefore, my son, verse 8, obey my voice according to what I command you. Go to the flock, fetch me two of the good kids of the goats. I'm going to make some savory meat that your father will love. Verse 10, and you shall bring it to your father and he will eat it and he will bless you before his death. Whoa. <laughs> oh, my goodness. They're, going to, they're conspiring to steal the blessing. Look at this. Verse 11, Jacob said to Rebekah, my mother, behold, Esau's my brother. He's a hairy man. I'm a smooth man. He's he's a rough man. I'm, you know, he's in the kitchen cooking all the time. So, I mean, he, he basically he's saying, I can't fight my brother. My brother will kill me. My father, peradventure, will feel me. He'll see that I'm deceiving. He'll It'll bring a curse upon me and not a blessing. And his mother said unto him, this is verse 13, Genesis 27. He said, let the curse be upon me, my son, only Obey my voice and fetch them. Now, I think what she has in her heart is what she heard the Lord say, that the younger is going to rule over the older. So she's working this deal. And now she's basically ordering Jacob to get involved and do this, to deceive her husband, his father, to get them, to get Isaac to bless Jacob. So he went and fetched and brought him to his mother. His mother made the savory meat that his father loved. She took some goodly raiment, just to fast forward some of this, you know, dressed him up, put a bunch of hair on it, and and put a bunch of stuff on him. You know, we would call it like uh, scent. <laughs> you know, wanted him to really smell like his brother, wanted him to feel like his brother. And she's preparing the meal so the food tastes like her brother's food. And uh, so that's what happens. They do that, and and basically they... They trick Isaac because his eyes are dim. He can't see well. And so um, verse 26, let's grab verse 26, uh, Genesis 27. His father Isaac said unto him, come near to me. Now he's talking to Jacob because Esau's out hunting. Come near to me and kiss me, my son. And he came near and he kissed him and he smelled him and he smelled his raiment. And so therefore he blessed him and said, See the smell of my son, which is the smell of the field, which the Lord God has blessed. So man, he's he's like, Oh, this this food is so good. I'm you know, I'm getting ready to eat, and he and he, he smells his son, he he's he's felt him already, felt the hair on him. Because he was a little bit concerned. because he, he actually said, How is it that you got the deer so quick? And Jacob lied and said, well, the Lord helped me, and I got it quickly. I mean, this whole thing's a lie, but but look at this. Look at what's happening. Now Isaac begins to speak these words, and these are the blessing. And this is verse 28, Genesis 27, verse 28. Therefore God give thee the dew of heaven and the fatness of the earth and plenty of corn and wine. Let people serve thee, and nations bow down to thee. 
Be Lord over thy brethren, and let thy mother's sons bow down to thee. Cursed be everyone that curses thee, and blessed be everyone that bless thee. Very similar, very similar to the blessing of Abraham. And now that came upon Isaac, and now Isaac is putting it upon Jacob. And it came to pass, as soon as Isaac had made an end of blessing Jacob, and Jacob was even just barely left his presence, his father, and Esau, his brother, came in from honey. Whoa! And now... <laughs> now it, it, it kind of hits the wall. And Esau realizes what's happened. And Isaac realizes what's happened, that Jacob came in and deceived him and took the blessing. Now, this is what I was, I, I almost got ahead of myself earlier. <laughs> I just wanted to get to this point because it's so powerful. Because when Jacob deceived Esau, or I shouldn't say deceived him, when Jacob uh, convinced Esau to sell him his birthright, and he, he sold him that birthright by swearing it to him, not only did he do that, but now Jacob has stolen the words. See, these are words. Now, see, I think sometimes we haven't realized the power of the blessing of a father. The blessing of a father. The words that a father speaks. The words that a father is anointed to speak. The words that a father is appointed to speak. Words that should contain life and not death. Words that should contain blessing and not cursing. It's so important, men. If you have children, if you're married, or if you're not married and you're, you're divorced, but you still have children in your life, it's important what we speak over our sons and daughters. It's important what we speak over our grandchildren. But it begins first with getting everything right between you and Jesus. Because once everything's right between me and Jesus, then I'm in a place where I can speak words of blessing. I can speak words of healing. I can speak words of increase. I can speak words of wisdom. I can speak words of favor. I can speak words of acceptance and approval. I can heal the rejection in their heart by speaking these words of acceptance and approval. So hear these words. I just think it's so interesting what Jacob actually stole with Mama's help was words. He stole the words because they believed in the power of words. See, we need to believe Proverbs eighteen thirty one. Death and life is in the power of the word, power of words, power of the tongue. We have the ability both to bless and to curse. I think it's interesting in the book of James. Let me just let's go there and read that. We'll come right back to Genesis, so don't don't lose that spot. But go with me to the book of James, real quick, where it talks about. There's a whole chapter in the book of James that talks about the power of the tongue, the power of the tongue. All right, let me get there. Hebrews, James. Here it is in um, James chapter three. The whole chapter is about the tongue. It, it gives these two examples. It says it's like the rudder on a ship. That rudder is small, but it steers a huge vessel. Then it compares it to the bridle in a, in a horse's mouth. Even, even though that horse is big and strong, 
that little bridle with those leather straps, you can guide that horse wherever the rider desires. And he compares the tongue to that. And then he compares the tongue to a fire. How just a little spark, just a little spark can set a whole forest ablaze. And of course, we can all attest to that, men, can't we? We've, we've set our homes on fire, so to speak, with our words. We've set our marriages on fire sometimes with our words. We've set our, you know, our children, not physically. I'm talking about the words, inciting words, words that, that trigger you know, hurt and pain and strife and, and difficulty and challenge. Our words can do that. Our words can bless and our words can curse. Our words can bring life or our words can bring death. So when he compares it to the rudder and he compares it to the, the bridle and he compares it to just a little kindling fire that sets on a, a whole forest on fire, it says this um, in the book of Genesis, Genesis, in the book of James, verse 10, I wanted you to see this verse, or verse 9 and 10. Well, okay, let's start in verse 8, verse 8. James 3, verse 8, But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Now, when it says that you can't tame it, it doesn't mean you can't control it. I want to, I want to break that down just a little bit. See, when you tame an animal, you basically tame it, and then you can leave it alone because it's been tamed, Right? But the tongue ain't that way. The tongue, you can't just tame it and then just leave it alone. Just finally get victory over it and your tongue will never give you any problems. No, you got to keep a watch on it constantly. It's not something you can just win a victory and then boom, I won the victory over my tongue. That's done. That's over. Got my tongue tamed. No, you can't do that. I can't do that. No one can do that. But we can control the tongue. We can yield our tongue either to our spirit or to our flesh. We can yield it to the Holy Spirit, or we can yield it to other spirits. The choice is ours. So that that gives us the control because we have the choice. But what he's describing here is you can't just tame it. You just can't get it to a place where you no longer have to be making choices because I'm always going to have to choose whether I hook my tongue up to my spirit, to the Holy Spirit, to the Word of God, unto truth and grace, or I put my tongue in, in connection with evil spirits or my flesh or selfishness or hurt, or rejection or offense, and I can release death. So he goes on to say, therewith, with the tongue, verse 9, James 3, with the tongue we bless God, even the Father, and then we curse men which are made in the similitude or the image or likeness of God. Out of the same mouth proceeds blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Does a fountain send forth in the same place sweet and bitter water? No. Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives? No. Can a vine bear figs? No. So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. So this is why it's so important that we get the well of Jesus Christ inside of us. 
<laughs> Jesus said in John chapter 4, If you believe on me, I'll be in you a well of living water springing up into everlasting life. And then James chapter, or I'm sorry, John chapter 7, he said, Those who believe on me out of their belly, out of their innermost being, will flow rivers of living water. But we have to be on card to choose and not let that river flow you know, into a place where we're cursing men made in the image of God. You know, putting people down, uh, sarcasm, undercutting, joking, you know, at someone's expense. These are not good things. These are things the Bible speaks against. And so here's what we're talking about going back to the book of Genesis. Why was it that they would steal words? Because they believed in the power of words. They believed in the power of the blessing. They believed in the power of the blessing of Abraham. And that's why Isaac received it. And now Isaac spoke it. That's why Jacob's trying to steal it. And it's why Esau is so mad about what Jacob did. So therefore, what happens is now now Esau shows up. And it says in Genesis 27... 35, and he said, your brother, uh, I'm sorry, Isaac is saying this, your brother came with subtlety and trickery and has taken away your blessing. Now, this is what Isaac is saying. And you can imagine how he's distraught. He, he just released a blessing on, he thought it was Esau, but it was Jacob. And now Esau's there and he's panicked. Isaac's, I'm sure, just shaken up. And what he said was, your brother, with subtlety and trickery, has taken away your blessing. And he said, is it not rightly? Is he not rightly named Jacob? And that means supplanter. It means trickster. For he has supplanted me these two times. This is what Esau said. He took away my birthright, and behold, now he's taken away my blessing. And he said, have you not yet reserved a blessing for me? This is Esau. And Isaac answered and said to him, Esau, behold, I have made, let me get my Bible up here. Behold, I have made him thy Lord. Whoa. Whoa. (laughs) He's saying, I can't take back what I said. Because remember in the blessing, he says, be Lord over thy brethren. That was verse 29. Be Lord over thy brethren. And so Isaac's saying, I've made him your Lord, and all his brethren have I given to him for servants, and with them corn and wine have I sustained him, and what shall I now do unto thee, my son? Talking to Esau. And Esau said unto his father, Has you, Have you only one blessing, my father? Bless me also, and my, O oh my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. Verse 39, And Isaac his father answered and said unto him, Behold, thy dwelling shall be with fatness of the earth and the dew of heaven from above. And by thy sword shall you live, and you shall serve your brother. And it shall come to pass when you shall have the dominion that you shall break off his yoke from off your neck. And Esau hated his brother Jacob because of the blessing wherewith his father had blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, the days of my mourning for my father are at hand, because he knew Esau, he knew Isaac was about to die. But after he dies, I'm going to slay my brother Jacob. 
Whoa. <laughs> you talk about some family drama. I mean, I've I've had challenges in my life. I know you've had challenges in yours, but I don't I don't know. I don't know your challenge. I just know that I I can't look at any challenge in my life and I can't put it on this kind of scale where there's such deception, such cunningness, such and, and and you have even prophetic words mixed up in this where prophecies were given and people prayed and inquired of the Lord and Rebecca found out that the younger is going to rule over the older and 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 then she threw cunnery, cunningly and conspiring with her son they steal the blessing from Esau um, while while Isaac was you know vulnerable and his eyes were dim and he was old and. He was just hungry, he wanted something to eat, and he wanted to make sure he blessed his son before he died, and now it's happened. And and it says, uh, let's go on down, we're in Genesis 27, uh, we just saw verse 41, that he Esau hated Jacob, his brethren, um, and these words of Esau, her elder son, were told to Rebekah, she sent and called Jacob her younger, and said to him, behold, your brother Esau, uh, concerning you, uh, he does comfort himself by purposing to kill you. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice, arise and flee. Go to my brother Laban. Go to my brother Laban, That's that would be Jacob's uncle, and tarry there with him a few days until your brother's fury is taken away, until thy brother's anger is turned away from thee, and he forgets that which you have done to him. Then I will send for you and fetch for you from hence. Why should I be deprived also of you both in one day? And so Rebecca said this to Isaac, I am weary now of my life because of the daughters of Heth. If uh, Jacob takes a wife from the daughters of Heth, such as these, which are of the daughters of the land, what good shall be my life unto me? So now, you know, now she's concerned about where Jacob's wife's going to come from. And her heart, her heart's distressed over that. So this is incredible. This is incredible. This is encouraging to us because what we're learning from all this is the power of the blessing. The power of what God spoke to Abraham, the power of what Abraham spoke to Isaac, and now what we've just seen is the power of what Isaac spoke to Jacob. And the journey's not over. The struggle's not over. The battle, not all the battles have been fought. There's still more sleepless nights. We're going to get into the next life, Jacob, in our next podcast. We're going to begin digging into the life of Jacob, and you think it's interesting now? Wait till we get into the details of Jacob's life, the struggle, uh, the blessing. Because just like it is with Isaac, and you see how God blessed Isaac? Man, he's going to bless, 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 bless Jacob, <laughs> who just stole the, stole the blessing, <laughs> so to speak. And man, we're going to see how these words spoken over these children, um, come to pass. And so again, the reason we're focusing on this, I felt like, you know, Hebrews 11.20, Hebrews 11.21, Isaac blessed his sons, Jacob and Esau, and then Jacob eventually blesses two of the sons of Joseph, leaning upon his staff. We'll get into that towards the end of the book of Genesis. But here's the thing. Men, we have to be reminded in Scripture, the power of a father's blessing. And what is really missing in a lot of children's life 
is the is the spoken words the the words that contain life and favor and faith the words that are prayed over children hands being laid upon them see there's the the doctrine of the laying on of hands so many times when you see these blessings happen it's not just the words hands are actually laid upon these individuals you know i know um I had that blessing in my life. I didn't know my dad was going to be passing away. Uh, my wife and I had just gotten married back in 94. And uh, we quickly, within a couple months, uh, we'll see, we got married in July, uh, moved to Olathe, Kansas in October, started a church. And by December, um, we had... Finally, we had moved in with my brother for a month or so until we could get jobs and get our own uh, duplex. But we had our own duplex, and so newly married, we're going to have our first Christmas. And my mom and dad were were down for um, for Christmas, and they helped us get some things ready, and they stayed with us. and And I just remember after we opened gifts, or no, actually before we opened gifts, my dad had myself. And of course, his sons, other sons, um, you know, gather around. And he had a little bit of an inheritance that he had received from his mother's passing. Um, you know, it wasn't a large inheritance. I can't remember exactly what it was. It was, I think, it was like uh, each one of us got maybe five, five, six thousand dollars, something like that. So he had a, you know, he had a check for us, and uh, but he wanted us to sit at his feet. And he wanted to put his hands on us. And he wanted to bless us. And I didn't know that February 18th, the next year, my dad was going to have a massive heart attack and die. Didn't know it. But my dad, when I got saved, rededicated his life to Christ. My mom did as well. And and so from that point forward, we walked together with Jesus and I went off to Bible school and they supported me and and uh, believed in me and, and we just we walked with Jesus together and uh, then of course I found my wife and, and they're at Bible school and now like I said we were up in Kansas City starting a church and and here we are at Christmas 1994 and uh, my dad's giving us a all little check you know from inheritance from his, his family his parents and uh so, but he's praying over us and he's laying hands on us and he's speaking us and he's blessing us. And I still remember that precious, joyous, holy moment. And, uh, and then, like I said, I didn't know this, but, you know, in the middle of the night, 4 a.m. on February 18th, my dad had a massive heart attack and very unexpectedly moved to heaven. Didn't know it was going to happen. None of us did. But I had his blessing. I had those words, and not just me and my three brothers. We had those words spoken over us, over our homes, over our marriages. And, and he took it out of the context of Hebrews 11, how, how Isaac and Jacob blessed their sons. He read Hebrews 11, 20, and 20, 21. So these scriptures are, are precious to me in many, many ways, at many levels. But he spoke those words, and he blessed us. We, we knelt down before him, and he put his hands on us, and he just prayed out of his spirit, and he just spoke blessing. Whatever he saw, he said. Whatever he saw, he prayed. And again, 
It's never too late to do the right thing. And you don't have to be dying to do this. Let me just say that you don't have to be dying to do this. If you've come home in your heart and you've, you've made Jesus Lord of your life, start putting your hands on your children. Start putting your hands on maybe maybe you're like a big brother, big sister, you know, and you're part of that program and you're being a kind of a godly role model to young men and young women who don't have a father. You know, the Bible says that pure and undefiled religion is this, that you help the widows in the plight and the fatherless in theirs. So there's a lot of fatherless children out there. They're naturally fatherless, and there's certainly a lot of spiritually fatherless children. And so when God puts you in a place relationally with with a fatherless child, whether it's naturally or spiritually, man, look for those opportunities to pray over them. Look at those opportunities to speak over them. Put your hands on them. Teach them about the blessing. Teach them about the favor of Jesus Christ on their life, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, and that they're so valuable to God, they're so valuable to Jesus, that they laid their lives down to redeem their life, this young child's life. Teach them about the power of favor. Teach them how they have found favor in God's eyes and that they were worth the blood of Jesus. And release that those words of acceptance. Release those words of favor. Release those words of acceptance and favor and 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 wisdom and that they're going to do God's will for their life they're going to follow God's plan for their life that they're going to that they're going to walk with Jesus all the days of their life prophesy those things proclaim those things speak those things over their life those young men and young women those little boys and girls those sons and daughters whether they're natural or whether they're spiritual that's what we're learning about. We're going to, of course, we're going to pick up with the journey of Jacob when we come together the next time on Marksman. And so we've spent about three episodes on Isaac. I don't know that we'll have three on Jacob. It wouldn't surprise me, but it's worth it. We're learning so much and our hearts are 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 being stirred, being stirred that as dads, as husbands, as men, our words matter. And this world needs to see men who have followed following Christ. This world needs to see men who have been marked by Christ. It's gonna it's gonna bring healing to our homes. And the Lord spoke to our family, if you heal the home, you heal the land. And that's one of the reasons marksmen exist, is because I'm desiring to see healing come to men's hearts. Because when we look at the stories of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, we don't see this leave-it-to-beaver family. Everything perfect, everything in order. There is no, I mean, we see a lot of pain, a lot of struggle, a lot of difficulty. Yet we see the power of redemption. We see the power of the blessing that keeps God's plan for man and keeps God's plan for family right on course. And God is willing to say, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob.